This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Dojo Live. I'm Tulia Sergusa, broadcasting from Southern California. Today is Tuesday, March 9th. 2021. I'm joined by Kim Lantis, who's in Hermosillo, Mexico. And Carlos Ponce in Cuernavaca, Mexico. Hi, guys. Hey. Welcome back. Thank you. Today, we have Bob Miles, who's the CEO and founder of Salad Technologies. And we're going to be talking about uh, powering our digital lives. But before we go into the topic of conversation today, which I think is a very good question, many of us ask ourselves, especially those not in tech, like, do we have the ability to handle all this digital stuff everywhere? So, but before we go into that topic, let's get to know Bob a little bit. Bob, please introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Bob Miles, founder and CEO of, of Salad, broadcasting live from Park City, Utah, um, and obviously my, there's a mismatch with the accent there. Uh, originally, I'm I'm from Australia, uh, have been here in the states for about five years now, and um, you know, in summary, I, I've worked in tech for for gosh, um, almost 15 years now. I, I studied engineering back in the day, and um, it was really the tech scene here in the states that that brought me over, specifically here in Utah, which is is commonly called. Uh, Silicon Slopes. Um, so five years here now, and and um, yeah, really excited to to introduce uh, a little bit more about salad and and sink our teeth into this. Uh, it is an interesting topic for sure. All right, Silicon Slopes, Silicon Beach, Silicon yeah. Valley. I don't know what they've given Texas a name yet, but I'm sure they'll come out with something soon. I think it's called <laughs> Silicon Valley too, but well, they have to come up with their own. Uh, so. Uh, tell us about salad. Let's sink our teeth into salad. Yeah, absolutely. So, Pun so, intended. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. I mean, the name, um, that's, a, that's a whole nother story. But here at Salad, um, our, our mission, our goal is to be the easiest and, and most trusted way to share your computer. And, you, you know, that folds nicely into the topic we're talking about today. Um, we're a three-year-old startup now, and we have... Uh, a PC application that gamers will download when they're not using their uh, powerful gaming PCs. And we actually turn that idle compute time, so those resources, the the storage, the bandwidth, and the compute, the CPU and GPU, um, into things that people really want. So we'll turn your idle compute time um, into games, into gift cards, into subscriptions, uh, downloadable content, online purchases. Uh, and really our, our goal here is to build an infrastructure layer that that is uh, people powered, you know, contributed to by individuals. Uh, and and really that's to, to act as a, a pressure release valve for this exploding demand in compute that we're seeing in the world uh, these days, thanks to, thanks to our digital lives. So, um, Lots in there, and, and I'm excited to, to unpack it a little more with all of you. But um, yeah, really, in summary, you know, here we believe we've reached a point in time where 
every connected device now has meaningful value. And we're going to shift into this era uh, of a decentralized web uh, where, where individuals power different uh, services and networks and, and economies online. Interesting. So it's really good. Like I'm understanding this to be like a, a waste saver. Is that right? Like I, what I, what I'm hearing is sort of like now with the newer cars where you can turn your ignition off at a stoplight, it does this automatically and to help. Is that sort of the same thing, but just? I heard more the Napster of computing. <laughs> so 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 there's a bit of both. Um, Kim, you you could you could certainly argue that. Um, you could also argue the opposite, actually. So. Uh, Interestingly, our application, so, so there is a catch. If you think about Salad um, and our value proposition, it's install this application and we'll pay you. There's gotta be a catch, right? So, so running our software, we're actually consuming compute resources and, and you require electricity to actually power your computer. So um, you can argue the opposite in that running Salad actually uh, consumes more electricity um, to, to support these different networks. Uh, but the flip side is you, you, you're absolutely right where a lot of our users leave their computers on anyway. So gamers, typically their computers on 24 seven, they're logged into a different game or a network and that computer, that hardware is drawing electricity anyway. So we're helping to tap into that latent value, the, the uh, underutilized uh, uh, resources of that computer uh, and allow uh, millions of individuals around the world to uh, actually generate an income or at least goods and services mm -hmm. from that capital asset they've got. All right. So instead of the reduce, we're talking about the reuse. Yes. Well, it's yes. Really monetizing your CPU power, right? I mean, that's, uh, well, before, let's, let's introduce yeah. the topic. Let's introduce the topic and then dig right into it because this is going to be a very interesting conversation. Uh, Carlos, what's the topic today? Let's get, kick it off. Yeah, of course, Tulio. Thank you. And thanks, Bob, for being here with us. So today we're going to be speaking about powering our digital lives. So I look forward to this conversation. We are going to be answering the question, uh, with our lives becoming increasingly digital, will our infrastructure keep up? So that's the question that we're going to be answering today. Welcome, Bob, to the show. Now, uh, Bob, first question that I have for you is why did you choose this particular topic and why did you think it was relevant for this day and age? Yeah, so so there's um, the self-serving aspect of it, Carlos, which is, uh, you know, this is what our business uh, does in a sense. This is the future we're looking towards. And the problem we're really looking to solve is uh, as we extrapolate out Moore's law, as we look at all of these new technologies coming online, like AI, as we look at these billions more Internet of Things devices coming online, uh, it does beg the question, uh, how are we going to handle all of this data, all of this compute and all of this transfer uh, with our current infrastructure? So a uh, couple, of, couple of really interesting kind of data points that, that I think helps frame the conversation. Um, we're all familiar with Moore's law. So, so you know, it was coined by by the founder of, of Intel there, one of the co-founders, uh, and it was more of a forecast than a law. And it, and it forecast that um, the speed of compute uh, or the compute index is going to double every 18 months. And that historically has, has been true. 
um, you know, if we there's a great piece from Google and their cloud engineers that looks back at data versus compute, and over the last decade, data has grown and outpaced compute by 60 to one. So that is Moore's law. Uh, but if we were to look forward, as I mentioned before, AI is coming online. And OpenAI is a big AI research institution uh, co-founded by Elon. They forecast artificial intelligence consuming uh, or, or its consumption of compute resources doubling every 3.5 months. So that's, you know, if, if we all here understand the power of exponential curves, that blows Moore's law, law out of the water. And at GTC last year, NVIDIA actually said they're seeing demand double every two months. So we're, we're running at this, this compute crisis, really. Um, and, and what we see here at, at Salad is most of the world's compute resources uh, being overwhelmingly underutilized. And they're consumer devices sitting in people's houses around the world. They're connected to the internet. And, and we see a day where um, uh, everyone will help to power our, our digital lives. It sort of reminds me of the SETI project. I don't know if you have heard about it. Yes, mate. Exactly. So, so, <laughs> so this SETI, um, you know, uh, we owe a great service to to SETI, or a great a big thanks to SETI because they they sort of established this concept of pooling uh, individual compute resources towards you know different tasks, compute tasks, and the difference between us and SETI is that we are appealing to um, rational actors in the sense that, or economically motivated yeah, actors yeah. versus altruistic actors. But yeah, same concept, exactly. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, let alone the fact of you probably not looking for extraterrestrial life. I don't, I doubt it, right? So I, I <laughs> totally hear to. you. <laughs> there you have it. Well, okay. you know, depending on who's giving access to their computer, there might be there might be some researcher on their computer that uh, you end up having access to. Uh, so, so Bob, how does it how does it work? How does it get configured? You're basically making it so each one of us becomes an extension of the cloud, and our computing power becomes accessible or at least partitioned in such a way where either storage is used for storage or running an application or what have you. Can you? Just give us a little bit more of the the twenty foot view. How does it actually work and get implemented? Who are the players? What does the ecosystem look like? Uh, and you know who pays for all this? Yeah, awesome question. So so there's a lot in there. Uh, let me start with with kind of the high level uh, uh, process, and, and it's very simple. I can distill it down to install, run, redeem. So, so part of our mission is to be the easiest. Um, you know, we, we saw a lot of friction in the ability for people to actually contribute their resources. So take SETI at home. You know, there's a there's a level of technical aptitude required to actually configure that library and get it going. It's much better these days, but um, essentially very high level install, run, redeem. Our application is open source, so you can see what you're installing. Uh, we detect the host hardware. So, so no single machine on our network is the same. Once you factor in you know, the hardware, the firmware, the operating system, um, and all these different drivers. Uh, so we detect that host hardware, we figure out what's most profitable to run, uh, and then the user configures, you know, when can we run salad? The user's in complete control. Um, 
what resources can we use? And then with that user configuration, with that host hardware, we then monetize that, that idle uh, PC. And second part of your question there was, uh, who's paying for this? So the big why now moment for Salad, uh, this is rewinding the clock about four years ago now, uh, we, uh, particularly these days, we've all heard of blockchain, we've all heard of Bitcoin, uh, Ethereum, mm -hmm. these peer-to-peer -peer blockchain based networks. For the first time, you know, 2016, 2017, uh, these networks assigned a value to connected PCs. So, so gave a monetary dollar value to the CPU and GPU cycles of all the connected machines. So, so right now we are um, essentially crypto mining. Um, the unit economics depend on how powerful your machine is. So, so Salad is likely not for you guys, unless you've got powerful gaming PCs with with big GPUs, graphics processing units. Uh, but basically, we're, we're securing these networks, verifying transactions, building an infrastructure layer for for all of the exciting workloads we see coming in in the future. Um, could, could part of that perhaps infrastructure include giving away? such PCs or the actual hardware to encourage people to do this? Yeah, it's it's interesting you say that, Kim. One, one of the models we've thought about, so we're still very early days, we're a seed stage startup, but once we have enough of a track record, enough diversified demand, we see a future where, uh, and when I say diversified demand, right now it's just crypto mining, but we see you know, distributing these parallelizable AI workloads, we see distributing uh, edge compute workloads uh, to support these billions more Internet of Things devices coming online, these very short ephemeral workloads at the edge. Uh, once we have sufficient diversification, that's where we see a day where we can actually... Have you guys come across buy now, pay later, this, this, this recent trend where you break up payments into four different... I, like I, live, I live in Mexico and it's everywhere. <laughs> is it? Yeah. So so it's everywhere. Monthly, it's like X payments without interest is what it works out with participating banks and stuff. Uh -huh. Exactly, Kim. So taking that concept, knowing that the computer you're purchasing has value, this is an idea we've been kind of spitballing is, well, what if we could do the buy now, pay later, but you pay it off with your compute time rather than your credit card or your hard-earned cash. So so not sure if that, that was mm -hmm. the question you had there, but but definitely I can see a day where, where that happens for sure. It's really All interesting. Right. Going back to rewards, I do have a question. Gamers, a lot of gamers are not legally adults. Um, so how does this work in that? Is it true? I mean, is there like a lot of them are adults that should, that that should also be working? Yeah, legal <laughs> adults who act like kids. I don't. But I, right as we're talking about this, the immediate thing comes to my mind are my nephews. One in particular who spends a lot of time gaming. Pretty much all of his free time that he can is gaming. Yep. But he's not eighteen. So how does that work um, with that particular market? Or are you? No, it's a great question. You, you, mm. you obviously have a strong intuition for the product we are delivering uh, because of your nephews. 88% of our users are between 13 and 23. So, so we don't, um, you know, you've, you've got to uh, claim that you're uh, um, uh, over 13. Um, you know, we don't require any, any uh, uh, identification verification. Um, and that is because 
none of the rewards that we dispense are, are fungible. So, so by that I mean um, we're not paying people. We're a rewards program. So, so here in the states, we're not sending out 1099s each year to say you earned more than 600 bucks this year. You are getting in-game items, which in the FVUs would probably love, or subscriptions online or making digital purchases and every one of our rewards um, the kyc requirements the know your customer requirements the onus is on those who actually supply the good or the service so so we're a we're a rewards program um we have a responsibility not to to um you know allow people to turn their idle compute into things that parents may not approve of so so you know we are the custodians of the rewards within our our inventory um and that's something we're very cognizant of because because a lot of our users are younger um you know we're not going to be uh, putting in subscriptions to youporn for example um or, or, or something like that so um we're, we're very deliberate in that it's all um mainstream goods and services that that you can actually redeem um from that idle compute time interesting mm -hmm. so I, i'm starting to think that the reason the ps5 consoles are going off the shelf so quickly is that people are intending to use those as uh blockchain mining devices is that yeah. what's happening <laughs> <laughs> well, well it's, why it's... elon musk was talking about gamestop now it all comes together <laughs> i get it what's really going on here it's not people buying gaming platforms they're buying mining the platforms no uh, what what is the limitation on the computer when you talk about intensive computing power is are you talking about pcs macs or even devices like ps4 pros or ps5s what's the uh, what, what is it extended to yeah great great question um uh, in theory uh, there is no limitation so so uh, in practice there is so licensing is the big one um and and i don't think we deserve any credit for for an original idea here um there are countless companies that have gone after the same prize and if you think about it it's a massive prize pooling all of the world's idle compute resources um i i spoke to a founder recently who had a similar idea and and got quite a way down the path of of this model with xbox actually they were working with microsoft to turn that uh so working with the proprietary you know license owner to turn that idle compute um into into similar to a seti at home essentially um but for us you know because of licensing uh because of the workloads that we support right now the blockchain um it's it's limited to pc but that's now uh you know fast forward to 2025 um Every device now ha has meaningful value. Even that mobile phone of yours, um, you know, there's there's unused gigabytes each month that, mm -hmm. that will find a home in future uh, supporting peer-to-peer -peer VPNs, for example. Which is all possible, obviously, because of 5G, because you need speed of access too, right? Bummer, I was kind of hoping to monetize 80% of my unused PS4 Pro that sits, uh, sits around most of the time. So anyway, <laughs> all right, so... Right now, it's predominantly for uh, mining, and you're rewarding people for the for the use of their CPU with gifts or uh, memberships, subscription, what have you. 
But the long-term opportunity for this could also be something along the lines of what Kim was asking. I mean, I could be a manufacturer of a computer, Dell, IBM, whomever, and I can give away computers that have partitioned, you know, cloud storage that I extend to my customer base. So it actually pays me to give it away to you because now I have access to extended storage. It's like it could be a strategy for manufacturers who also happen to provide services <laughs> on the cloud to to basically gain access to my home as a place for a cloud computing solution. Is that long term where this could go? Yes, yes, and the future is now. So so one of the trends we are seeing is what's these technologies that come from the data center these big words here orchestration containerization and virtualization technologies you know these these are a lot of the different uh frameworks that that power uh data centers we are seeing those spill over into consumer devices now you know we're in the era of connected compute even microsoft was talking about it last week at uh, ignite um it's ubiquitous and it's decentralized and so starting to ship native in uh, consumer operating systems are these petitions, are these VMs, these virtual machines, and, and the ability to, to containerize and isolate different workloads. And, and it, I see that uh, 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 coming sooner rather than later. But, but you've, touched on, you've touched on a really interesting point. And one of the, one of the uh, challenges that we face, uh, which is, this is a human problem. H how do you incentivize people? How do you get people to trust you to share their idle compute? You know, we're all conditioned to, to think our computer, our data, no one else touches it. I want to keep it safe. And the way I see it is, is being analogous to Airbnb or Uber. So if I, let's rewind the clock 15 years. If I was pitching Uber to you, a complete stranger is going to come and pick you up in their car and drop you off or a complete stranger is gonna come and stay in your guest bedroom tonight. Unanimously, people would have been like, no way, not into it. Um, but but fast forward to 2021 and it's part of the zeitgeist. We all accept Uber, Airbnb. Uh, I see the same thing happening with compute uh, uh, over time. Interesting. Well, I, like I, I, have, I have a quick... I got a question, Bob, and I know you mentioned that, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, but this is uh, what I understood, is that Salad as a company is early stage, and, um, and as such, and I'm going to move away from the tech part, because um, at the end of the day, we're talking about, we're discussing technology, but at the end of the day, uh, there's people also, there's the people element. My question to you, Bob, is as you grow, and this is for the folks that might be watching out there who are, are have an interest in technology or engineers or would like to pursue a career in a company like yours, what would you say that Salad would make it a great company for people to work for? Or let me rephrase this. Based on your goals and your objectives and your vision for the future, what kind of talent would you like to attract? What kind of people would you like to have in your team? I'm, I'm very interested in that part. What sort of traits are you looking for or would you look for in people to be part that, of your team? That's a great question. And and there is, so, so the way the team's structured, just to give you some context, we are, uh, thanks to the world's event in 2020, fully remote now. 
uh, we don't even have an office. We've got a mailbox and that's our physical location. So um, half of the team, you know, we, we've tripled the team this last year and <laughs> I haven't met them in the flesh, um, many of them. So so the way the team's structured, you know, we have um, engineering, we've got product, we've got marketing, we've got channels, um, we've got design uh, or brand. You know, these are kind of our core disciplines internally. And um, the hiring decisions are not up to me. You know, it's the team who gets to choose who we hire and what we hire for in terms of discipline, uh, what they do. Uh, but the one thing we control for, and, and Carlos, this gets to your question, uh, we're an early stage startup. So, so by definition, we don't know what we're doing. No one's done it before. <laughs> um, okay. You know, we're willing to own it. So, so the one trait that we 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 kind of control for and we look for is the ability to to work in ambiguity, the ability to take initiative, and to to operate in an uncertain environment. And and I think that's common across all startups. Um, you know, it's a very, some people thrive and love that environment. Some people prefer the enterprise where you know that the next month, year, you know, quarter, year, five years, uh, th there's a clear path and certainty. So that's the one trait that we look for, the one question we ask, the one kind of thing that we control for. Um, what is the I, question that you ask? How do you <laughs> discover that trait? archetype do you relate to mostly is it the magician? <laughs> if it's not the magician don't come work with us yeah so 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 we don't it, it's not very well structured to be honest kim um in line with the company culture yeah. <laughs> ah, exactly it's this is the type of, if yeah. you wear a beer what kind of beer would you like to be that kind of thing <laughs> yeah we but, don't know um, that wear beer <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those things. Foster's Australian for beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great marketing there. I'd never heard of Foster's before coming to the States. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but a, look, it's uh, like Outback Steakhouse. That's another. Uh, yeah, that's right, mate. <laughs> Bloom and Onions. Never heard of them. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting. So, so kind of tangential to your question. Uh, uh, if you think about what we're doing, we are empowering individuals to, and I didn't coin this phrase, and I, I forget who to, to give credit to, but um, it's a self-sovereign server. So we're allowing people to spin up essentially their own cloud instance and support what they want in these future P2P networks, this decentralized future that we have. And that that raises some very difficult philosophical questions that we spoke about as the team recently. Um, uh, think Parler and it's deplatforming, you know, rewinding the clock a couple of months ago. Uh, what happens if a network, a social network like that, which is philosophically misaligned with us, is supported by our users? <laughs> it's a very difficult, interesting question. Um, uh, not one we sink our teeth into at this stage, but certainly one that will come in future. That's an interesting one. Yes, certainly. Uh, I was just, yeah, Parla is a perfect example of not being dependent on on our corporate. App Store, uh, yeah. Google Play, right. AWS, all wiped off. I mean, that. But that's ultimately the, the end goal of blockchain, right? Is to decentralize control and even the power players so that it's the user who's in charge of what happens. So it's an interesting... Interesting thing happening. I'm curious. We have to wrap up, but I'm curious yeah. to learn more about 
whether utopian or guys... dystopian that's the question yeah yeah but uh, do you plan to eventually offer this to businesses too because a lot of businesses have unused computing power as well massive computing power especially like overnight for example uh is this something you were you plan to also look into or investigate to see if you could offer similar for i don't know what the incentives would be for businesses yeah. but there's certainly you know, that's the computing the, power is there. That's right? the thing. The computing power is there. Our incentive model is 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 misaligned with businesses right now. And right. and really it's businesses are very rational in the sense that it's economic, it's the unit economics that drive it. Um so so we're not there yet, but um you know, in future I, I hope to see the day for sure. Well, it sounds like there's an opportunity for a blockchain-enabled manufacturer to come out of the scene somewhere and potentially provide these kinds of empowered types of equipment at a deep discount in exchange for, you know, giving up some computing power that could be used for things like this. So it's great to have you, Bob. Uh, we have to keep up with you because this is a very disruptive thing you're doing. I, I see a lot of potential for some very unique things to happen. Uh, but stay with us as we go off the air. It's been a pleasure to have you with us. Let's stay in touch. Carlos, what do we got coming up uh, tomorrow? We got some more yeah. shows tomorrow and Thursday. We got, yeah, we still have two shows tomorrow, Tulio, mm -hmm. and there's one on Thursday. Tomorrow we're going to be speaking with, uh, let's see, um, Raquel Mercado and some Samuel Joseph Aki from Avangrid, and then uh, we're going to be discussing leveraging AR VR to accelerate field worker qualifications and capabilities. And then on the same day tomorrow, we'll be speaking at noon with Ra Rachel Yaki, the vice president of experience. Uh, and the topic is going to be the role of transparency in a growing company with clients, users, and ourselves. Uh, oh, by the way, the company, I didn't mention it, is Reelink. That's the name of the company. And then finally, on, thir on Thursday, we'll be speaking with Miguel Fernandez from CapChase. And so we have a full week. And then don't forget to join us on next Monday in for our recap show, in which we'll be recapping all this week's four shows in 10 minutes. 10 minutes, folks. So that's what we have coming up. All right. Thanks for being with us again, Bob. And See you all back tomorrow at 10 a.m. Pacific. Till then, stay safe. Bye. Bye. Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com.